Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now, you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. Garth Rands, this is your life. Legionnaires 3, number 3, and then there were two. Published April 1986. Written by Keith Giffen and Mindy Newell with art by Ernie Colon and Carl Kiesel. Synopsis. Lightning Lad Alone versus the infinite power of time itself. All right, we need to wrap up this four-part miniseries, The Legionnaires 3. And we're looking at issues three and four this week. First of all, in issue three, we find our heroes stuck behind the Iron Curtain of Time. Yeah, And my God, what a beautiful cover on Legionnaires 3, number three. I just, I look at this and I'm like, this is just really visually stunning. It's really, really good, and it's got the big purple time trapper in the background. I love it. All right, cool. Um, in this issue, we're trying to figure out why the time trapper is doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not a lot. Of, um, so here's the thing. We'll find out at the end of, of issue four. So people who are listening right now, you're going to have to stick around for at least another 20 minutes until we get to ah. that climactic moment, because that's how, how this works. Uh, but in the meantime, Saturn Girl and Cosmic Boy are trapped in a jail cell, and Cosmic Boy apparently has been wearing inhibitors as part of his costume for his entire time because if he takes these inhibitors off, he can really amp up his powers, which feels like a retcon in in dopey costume design and trying to make sure that everything has a purpose, kind of like why, where Rob Liefeld tries to justify why mm-hmm. all of his characters have pockets and it's just like, no, we get it, Rob. You you like pockets on costumes. I'm not sure. It doesn't explicitly say they're inhibitors, and I kind of wonder. It looks like... I mean, why does he take cost- them off and then say, now I can unleash the full power of this battle station, and then he pulls up all these bits of iron from a uh, from a ruin far beneath the, uh, the Time Trapper's uh, kingdom? What do we say? I think what it is is that the both his his boots and his little gauntlet things are actually made of metal, and I believe that he took them off not necessarily because they were inhibiting his power, 
but because if he turned his hands into like super magnets, like he's about to do, that they might like chop his arms off. At least I don't know. But yeah, it is an interesting moment. And I do the thing that I like about it is we do see how they clamp onto his arms. Yeah, with magnets. Like literally just it's really yeah, weird. They're just little things that he's holding them on. Neodymium like magnets. Yeah. yeah, but he he had that with his little corset costume where they're like, Yeah, he's holding it up with magnetism. This is kind of neat where he's just holding on his little wrist gauntlets. And I like that. I really do like the the actual way they're drawn in this issue. I don't know why, but I've always liked this particular iteration of the cosmic boy costume. Yeah, I just I, I just think it's weird that it's like, OK, we we created this costume that has these weird things. Now let's try to explain them. And it's like it doesn't doesn't really need an explanation. I mean, I, I don't know. It just feels like it just feels like, like nonsense. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It it just feels like nonsense that doesn't need to be explained. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it definitely does. I mean, if if you look at it from that perspective, it feels like the questions nobody asked category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why does he have those things on his arms? Because they look good. It's like, you know, why are they still called boy? Well, we've decided they're all in their 70s, but we're going to fix it. Yeah, no, that that was not a question anyone needed to ask. You're thinking yeah. about this too hard. Yeah, yeah. Also, I've been digging the uh, time trapper in this issue where he's just like, Oh, the little thing is making noise. I don't understand why it is making noise. It's not your fault, lady. And then he snaps his fingers and disintegrates her. And it's like, ah, he's he's cruel and mean. Yeah, and it's he's completely without scruples or any type of human emotion. He's just like, oh, no, time trapper. He wouldn't drink the formula. Oh, the poor baby. She's like, I put you into an unpleasant situation. Why? Why happen again? But why are all of these caretakers like Scottish? Catholic nuns. Oh, because uh, it, the, the time tropper lives in or space, Irish, Scotland. I guess. I, I don't know. It's, it's a there's a there's a you. lot of things that are really weird about the time trappers HQ. Like <laughs> it's this futuristic city thing that's all shiny and chrome, and yet mm-hmm. down in the basement, it's like clearly bricks holding this up. And then yeah. you get into this uh, sequence where the whole place where cosmic boy and Saturn girl are running through is like some Dolly mind trip. That's supposed to freak Mm -hmm. you out. And then they finally get through the maze to where they need to go. And it's a wooden door from the 1800s. I think that it's supposed to. And honestly, it's something that I don't know that Ernie Cologne actually really did very well in the art, but I think it's supposed to be like something that feels like all times at once, like a weird, Mm mishmash of past and future and it, it reminds it me dungeon but it also has like the weird nuclear oh you can have them. a you can have a dungeon in a futuristic dolly painting uh but to to incorporate those things is kind of weird it's kind of like in the um captain stern segment from um from uh heavy metal where he's mm-hmm. being chased through a futuristic space station and they have to break right. break through a cinder block wall to get to the next uh section of <laughs> of where they need to be at Sometimes your space station is made of cinder blocks. No, no, it's true. No, uh, let's All see. My space stations are made of cinder. What blocks. else is going on in this issue? We get to see, uh, we Beth get to see. Imra. Yeah. Mocking. Ugh. Poor Ayla is just like constantly abused throughout this series because she she's abused. Listen, she has to sit and listen to this woman just talking and talking and talking. 
I mean, and then of course, I have to that listen to you. Not or really am I being abused? And... Oh. <laughs> I I mean, I get it. I get it that I get it that it's a joke on mother-in-laws, but I don't think that it is so much a let's pick on uh, lightning lass kind of thing. It definitely it feels retrograde. It feels like a 60s joke about, you know, the, oh, yeah, the yeah, fat yeah. mother-in-law who never stops talking. Yeah, yeah. And I don't necessarily feel like it has a whole lot of point in this uh, issue other than, you know, reminding us that the Legion does exist mm-hmm. and that at least Ayla is aware that, you know, her brother and sister-in-law have gone missing. But other than that, it's just that one-page thing. It doesn't really have a whole lot of... The mother-in-law showed up at the... Story. Showed up in last issue, right? When uh, yeah. Lightning Lash showed up at the apartment and then the mother-in-law was outside yeah. the door and she's like, oh, great. She's, I ran into her. She's and if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she's Imra's aunt. So she's the the aunt oh, okay. after which she was named. So she's Aunt Imra. But uh, okay. I, I don't think that Saturn Girl's parents are still alive. I know that Lightning Lads are not. I was but curious I if this was the, yeah, I didn't realize it was her, her aunt. But um, yeah. Uh, I guess this would be the first time we've seen any of Saturn girls relatives, right? In this, in this series, I don't think we've seen an aunt or an this, uncle in, in regular Legion books. This is the first time I can remember any of the, uh, Ardeen family popping up. I, I think that no, that was, that's post, uh, retcon. So yeah, I can't think of anything with, uh, her family. I'm trying to remember all the times that the Legion parents were captured. I don't think that her parents were ever involved. No, no, not at all. Uh, okay, so then we get back into the uh, to the action, and we see Santa Girl and Cosmic Boy. Apparently, they carry these. So, listen, if I'm taking you prisoner, I'm mm-hmm. going to take all your weapons, all of your your flight rings. I'm going to take all your cool weaponry. I'm not going to leave a virtual disruptor. Uh, on your bodies so that you can potentially become Cobra commander and run through the place screaming, <laughs> you know, obscenities. I don't think that's Cobra commander, but yeah. sure does look and, like him. Shiny, shiny hood, uh, dressed like a Nazi. Yeah. That's Cobra commander. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, I agree with you. There's no real explanation of where the distorters come from. Do they have them? Did they steal them? I don't even know. Well, we've seen, we've seen, um, was it Cosmic Boy recently or somebody had used them before? Yeah. Somebody just recently used one of these, um, disruptors or whatever that they're called to fool somebody. And so it makes sense that, yeah, maybe they have them, but again, the time trapper should know all of these things and he should say, oh, by the way, confiscate their flight belts, confiscate their flight rings, confiscate their, their image distorters. Um, Unless he wants them to escape, which seems to be kind of like the plan, right? I mean, we find out at the end of this issue that we have been following a shaggy dog escape adventure uh, this entire time because the time trapper wants them to go after Graham and forget about Garth. Right. It's, it's Garth that he actually wants. And in, on the one hand, it does make issue three a little frustrating. I remember being yes, a this issue is very frustrating. Issue three yeah, because there are some great moments. I mean, cause pulling the thing out of the the ground, and then of course making the big metal bug 
out mm-hmm. of like scrap metal to scare mm-hmm. the guys away. That's really cool. But it just, it, it kind of feels like we're filling time. It feels like we're just sort of dancing to have something to do for a third issue while, you know, the time trapper is like, yeah, it never was really my plan. And, and the, th- so I don't know. So on the one hand, here's a justification for this, which again, I found this issue frustrating in the greater sense because it's like, oh, you pulled the wool over our eyes. But right. at the same time, we've been led in the first two issues to think that Graham is the target for the time trapper. And so why wouldn't we want to spend an entire episode following two of our heroes as they try to go and save young Graham, the innocent piece of cheese that he is and only to discover, Oh no, that wasn't it all along. So, I mean, there is a, from a a dungeon master's perspective kind of sense that makes a lot of sense. Right. I mean, to do that. But on the other hand, it's still at the end of the day did feel kind of disingenuous. It really does. And especially when we get to the point where Time Trapper is like, oh, it was you I wanted all along. And now I kind of squish you up into a ball and throw you into it. By the way, that's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Freaky. The sequence where, where Garth gets kind of like squished into nothing and thrown into an alternate dimension. Horrifying. But yeah, it, it kind of does feel less like the old bait and switch and more mm-hmm. like, uh, we lied to you. We, oh, so you think it's more premise. so it, this feels more like a lie instead of a bait and switch. I don't know. I feel like for me, the way that the first two issues went. Yeah, and they were great. And then to to get to this point and then all of a sudden have the rug pulled out from under us. I kind of feel like this is that classic case of we don't know what to do in the third act. We know how we want to start. We know how we want to end. And we've got some really good character beats that we want to try and hit. But yeah, there's just this point in here where we get in this issue and, oh, no, that, you know, that reveal that it wasn't really Graham at the end of issue one, where they had the little baby. The with doll. The yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah. And everybody was just like horrified. That was a terrifying moment. But then we get to the point where Jareth, the Goblin King, actually didn't want the baby all along. He was trying to get Jennifer Connelly. Oh, wait, no, that's a different movie. But the same thing. You do get to the point where you're like, oh, well, then why did he do the things that he did in issues one and two? I, okay. You know what I mean? It, here's, okay, here's the problem. Okay, I found mm-hmm. the page where everything falls apart, and it's on page, uh, whatever this page is. It's the one where the time trapper finally confronts uh, Garth. It's the first time we right. see him in this entire issue where he says, you belong to me, Garth Rands. At that point, you realize, oh, wait, this was, oh, we've been fooled, right? Right. If you take out that page and you move it later in the issue, like after they break into the nursery and reveal that Casper the Friendly Ghost is in there, and uh, and then you go and insert that page where we get to the Time Trapper doing his thing, Right. then it is a bait and switch and not an outright lie. And I think when I got to the point where you kind of realize on that page where the time trapper says, you're, you belong to me now, uh, Garth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the point where I was like, Oh wait, so all of this is, is nothingness. And mm-hmm. seriously, if you take that page out and rearrange it, 
the story is suddenly so much better. Hmm. I can never really see that. That's an, that's an editing thing because the things are happening. There's like a lot of things that are happening with the, um, the cosmic boys, uh, metal monster, and then opening up the nursery and making that discovery. Whereas the conversation where the time trapper and Garth are having are happening simultaneously. The stuff with Mm -hmm. cosmic boy and Saturn girl is taking literal minutes to get through. Whereas the time trapper thing is nothing. They could have let, they could have ended this issue um, on a three page, just ha ha ha. We got you reader kind of moment. This is, this is, this is poor. This is poor editing. I know um, Karen Berger is, is I think editor right now on this series. Um, But um, I would have really just said, I think this works better the other way. It's that is actually something that's indicative of a Keith Giffen plot. And we see mm. that. I mean, we do see that and not speaking ill of Keith, he just recently passed away, but we do see that a lot where he gets to that kind of that third act and things. Sometimes they go entirely off the rails. Like if you look at uh, some of the stuff in 52, like the entire arc with steel kind of fell apart and they're just like oh well this story ended earlier than all the others which on the one hand makes perfect sense on the other hand it just kind of fell apart and i feel like that arc was definitely keith because they had the guy whose superpower was eating other people and i kind of feel like this is a story where they had this really great visual they had this moment they wanted to get to where Kaz and Imra are trying to fight their way to save the child. And then it turns out that it's actually Garth and Garth is falling and falling through eternity. And the time trapper is laughing. And if you look into his cloak, all you see is Garth dying in a void. That's what they really wanted in issue three. And they just kind of, it it feels like in some ways they stuffed some stuff in between to, to fill in the space to get from one point to the other. The, the whole Aunt Imra thing uh, is yeah. not necessary here uh, because right. at no point in this in this miniseries do the Legion or does Lightning Lass need to be involved in the story beyond just dealing with extended family. So that right. page and uh, the the swapping of the your mind now. Um, Gosh, mm-hmm. here's the here's the thing. When I was reading this, we start kind of an in media res kind of thing where last issue, our heroes were, quote unquote, captured and being wrapped up in a silver cocoon of something. Right. And yeah, then right. we open and in the last uh, two people that we see were Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl. And then we immediately jump in this issue where it's Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, OK, where's where's Lightning Lad? Where's Garth? And then we get to that panel where it's like, oh, um, I've been reading all of this for not as opposed to the shocking reveal. I. And and so that's kind of nice in a way, because, uh, you know, this whole issue should have been Cosmic Boy and, and Santa Girl fighting to save young Graham, the innocent piece of cheese. And then we get to the big reveal, because then in the fourth part of this. It's an all lightning lad story. So, I mean, I I get the idea of, well, where's Garth? But I think they pulled that that reveal way too soon in this issue. And that's why I think this issue is not kind of a problem, not pleasing. Yeah, uh, I will say that on behalf of many people listening, I'm going to need you 
to give us a little explanation of why you keep referring to Graham as a piece of cheese. Oh, there's a moment in this issue where, and I forget who says it. I don't remember if it's the time trapper or if it's the Irish nun lady uh, who calls him an innocent piece of cheese uh, in, in this bit. And I was just like, why would you call a child? Yeah. Why would you call this child an innocent piece of cheese? And I forget where it is. Uh, yeah, I forget where it is in this story, but somebody calls him an innocent piece of cheese. And it may be she because he is the she loves because he is the bait, you know, like the cheese in the mousetrap for Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl. But somewhere someone calls him an innocent piece of cheese. And I just <laughs> laugh at that. Cheese in the pieces. Yeah. Two bits. Yeah. So I, I think with a little bit of rearranging. Mm-hmm. This story would be much, much better, and I think a reader would leave more satisfied than they did. That being said, it was fine. I mean, there's some interesting moments where they're fighting the guards, and I don't remember if it's Cosmic Boy or Saturn Girl is like, oh, no, did I kill them? And it's like, you two aren't in the Legion anymore. It doesn't matter if you kill them or not. They don't like to kill. They're not going to go out and look for people to kill. I, I don't mean- know. If someone kidnapped my kid. And there was a whole army of goons between me and my child. There'd be a whole lot of dead bodies between me and my child. Oh, man, don't get me wrong. I'd be right there, too. But that's one of the reasons why you and I aren't superheroes. Are you sure about that? If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Legionnaires 3, number 4, Countdown. Published May 1986. Written by Keith Giffen and Mindy Newell. With art by Ernie Cologne and Carl Kiesel. Synopsis. Will Lightning Lad's mind break before reality does? All right, so we get to this bit where uh, Garth has been sucked into the black hole or an episode of Logan's Run. (laughs) I think it's the black hole. I I saw an angel flying around. He is now living through his worst moments of his life. And there are bits in this where it's really bad writing and bad setup, but it's also right in line with like 80s stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's this whole thing where... Uh, Garth is like, if I can't get a job, if I can't provide for my wife and kid, then I am nothing and I should be nothing. And it's like, well, that's some real toxic masculinity thinking there, dude. A little retrograde there, my friend. Yeah. And I mean, back in the 80s, I'm sure that was the thinking, especially because back in the 70s and early 80s, uh, women were not a lot. I mean, especially in the 70s, there were and not saying women didn't work because my mom worked, uh, but uh, there were a lot of people, a lot of families whose mothers did not have to work because the husbands made plenty of money. And then Ronald Reagan came in and screwed up the economy. And then that essentially forced women to go and work um, who may not have needed to in the past. And I'm not saying that women who didn't want to work, couldn't work. I'm just saying that there was a big shift in the dynamics of the economy in the 1980s. Thanks to Reagan that forced women to go to work. Um, making families, double income families. Uh, And that of course led to latchkey kids and satanic panic and all the great things that uh, follow after that. But yeah, there's some, some weirdness in just the 
I am the man of the house. Therefore, everything must be mine and I must control everything, which is just really weird. Also, uh, you know, this idea of, are these the thoughts of a dying man? You know, there's this, Mm -hmm. this theological, um, uh, idea, well, not theological because that'd be too much religion, but you know, uh, this thought that you are reliving all of your worst moments of your life at the instant that you die, that sets you up for whether you're in purgatory or heaven or hell or whatever. Um, that's what a lot of this feels like is, you know, he's going through these last little bits of his life, reliving them until it doesn't when a giant fish starts to attack from space. And, uh, he starts well, to have I mean, this the weird, giant, the giant fish is part of his life. Remember Garth was once eaten by the super Moby Dick of space. No, no, he wasn't. That was Jonah. Yes, he was no Garth had his arm bitten off by the super Moby Dick of space. Jonah was swallowed by an ultra energy beast. Hmm. Uh, anyway, there's also, there's also a bit, there's also a bit where, uh, he has this weird fixation on his older brother and his twin sister having some kind of relationship with one another, which that's weird. I, I didn't necessarily read the things into it that you did, but it is. I mean, we've already seen, we've already talked before about, um, uh, the older brother, uh, the lightning Lord who Mac to the last time that he was trying to convince his sister to join his side had a lot of weird, Pornhub undertones uh, to it. I feel like some of it is definitely a cultural shift. I feel like, you know, in 1980, whatever, when I read this, I I don't know that there's necessarily a romantic undertone to it. I don't think it's intended as we're, we're kind of seeing the same thing that we saw with auntie Imra, a sort of that, that feeling that men are, like men are in charge and blah, blah, blah. And, and Auntie Imra with her little sexist. And Ayla is almost like the prize here. Yeah. See, that's weird, like right? Something that's that, like weird. Well, it's like Mecht wins her, but it's not necessarily meant to be a romantic win, but it's also one of those things where, you know, there, there's this undertone of it's 1986, your wife and your sister and your children are almost like your property. And, it is creepy, and I, I do not like it, but I don't know that well, it's, it's, it, it, it was written as sexual as it feels okay, in so the here's age the, when stepsister is, you know, the thing that it is. On yeah, the and the fact that it's not the stepsister either. It's his actual sister. Here's the thing that makes well, it feel really weird. Go to the last page where it's revealed that Garth is, this is all an illusion, and mm-hmm. where Mecht and Lightning Lass are uh, holding each other. And her leg is up in the air, like in a romantic way that you see portrayed in media prior to 1980s. You right? every time that the, the woman is in love with her man, she grabs him around the shoulders and her leg kicks up in the air and they look longingly into each other's eyes. That's what makes this whole little uh, scene feel weird is the way that they are embracing. OK, yeah, there I see it. Yeah. OK, so that's gross. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, so I know, I know a lot of things are like, and this happens all the time, right? This happens where somebody may say something and they're like, oh, I didn't know that this word 
you know, fa- I'll use the word right. fanny. Fanny seems like a here in the United States and a very, very plain word. But man, if you are over in, in our European listeners, suddenly I have said the worst thing in the world until someone pulls me aside and says, uh, Stephen, do you know that that word means blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, what, what? And then I'm like, oh, I will never uh, see that word the same way again or think of that word again or use that word again uh, because of of its meaning. And so I sometimes think that when creators are creating, they're in this moment where, yeah, I want to do this whole thing where Garth loses his sister, his twin sister to his brother who has a what is it? What is it called? Uh, Matthew, what do they call it in here that he's got a handicap because he doesn't have a. He's handicapped because he doesn't have a twin. And boy, is that not creepy? Yeah, no. Uh, so I think I, I, so I think that they're like, OK, so we're reversing these roles and we're making Garth feel even less than he is supposed to be. And this is this real cruel mind game that the time trapper is doing. Typity, typity, typity. And then, uh, you know, we've got uh, Ernie Colon and Carl Kessel doing the the artwork on here. And Ernie is like, yeah, I'm going to hold them in this embrace like he's won her, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, when guys and girls pose with one another, they're usually hugging and the leg goes up in this way. And he's just drawing it because it looks like a cool composition. And it's shocking right. to Garth in the panel. And then all of a sudden uh, somebody gets this issue and they're like, you know, that's a, like a romance pose. And that really changes the nature of this whole conversation that's being going on. And both right. writer and artist at the same time are like, oh, crap, I didn't. I didn't intend it to be that way at all. And that's unfortunately, once you release the art that you make, people are going to interpret it, even if it's wrong, uh, the the fallacy, the intent of the the creator um, is going to come up and bite you. But that's also the bad thing about that fallacy is when you release your art, you kind of lose control of your art. And so, yeah, this this scene is very very weird. So that's why I wanted to just bring that up is because it's, it's a strange, it's a strange bit. I will say this. Mm-hmm. And then there's something else on here. Um, in the end, Oh, there's an art thing in here. The other art thing that I hate in this issue mm-hmm. is like lightning lad is standing so many times in so many panels with his feet spread as far apart as your arms could stretch, you know, a normal pose, even a normal Superman heroic pose, his feet will be at least as wide as his shoulders. But so many times in this issue, Garth is standing with his feet, like the width of his outstretched arms, which would be incredibly painful and incredibly weird. If you walked in on somebody standing like that. (laughs) Well, I mean, they're superheroes. They, they have really strong cores. They can be like, yeah. I, I'm not even sure about that. It's really weird. Uh, but then this whole thing is just a, a game. See, when we get to the end, I feel like it, two things become clear. Uh, one, yeah, the whole thing is just a game. But two, the whole point of this four-issue limited series was to take the time trapper from being the weird, ineffectual, false controller that we've seen since 76 or 77 and make him terrifying. Make him this horrible beast from beyond space and time because he did get pretty silly for a while there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I feel like, on the one hand, I understand that, especially... You know, given the time frame of this issue, this is 85. This is a point where a lot of things are getting kind of revamped yeah, or, yeah. you know, re reestablished, looked at and said, hey, 
maybe this isn't the silly thing that we thought it was. And a lot of characters are getting their moments, but it does have kind of, it's a story that has more emotional resonance in some of the beats. Like when it seemed Garth is hallucinating that he is back with the Legion and that he's mentally ill and they're treating him like he's mentally ill. And everybody is like, Oh, what a jerk. Let's go. But only Brainiac stands behind and Brainiac is like, I understand what you're going through. And Garth is like, you would, if you were the real Brainiac, that's a nice moment for Brainiac five, who isn't actually even in the issue. Yeah. It feels like something where once again, we have a lot of moments. We have a lot of, you know, little resonating pieces like Garth being forced to witness his parents dying in space that are literally just there to try and build up the menace or the myth of the time trapper for something that may or may not be coming. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. But here, here's the thing. After I read this and I'm like, Oh, so this was all just time trapper playing a game. Yes. He's evil. And I do like the evil bits in here. Right. I had mentioned that when he's like cons- uh, consoling the, uh, the Irish nursemaid. Uh, yeah. Uh, no problem. And then he zaps her and kills her. And then he, you right. know, rules his, his uh, underlings with a, a fist of fear. I like all of that stuff. And I think had they kept baby Graham, uh, the innocent piece of cheese as the uh, plot device for this whole story, I think that would have been a lot better. Right. Um, but at the end of this issue, I get to this and the, my first instant thought is, Oh, this is your annual crisis event where I just like mix Mr. Mixio Spitlick. Uh, you know, every 90 days, you're going to get a, a magical imp from the fifth dimension coming in and terrorizing uh, Superman for an issue or two. And then he's going to go for, away for a year and then he's going to come back and everybody's going to go, ah, it's the Mr. Mixiel Spitalik. And this, I feel the same way with the Time Trapper and, and you know, the original crisis events where, uh, you know, Earth 1 and Earth 2 would team up to do something each year. And I feel like going forward each year or the plan was each year, the time trapper will show up to do something devious and menacing. And so it kind of just at the end of this, as much as I love the first two issues, I get to the end of the, this four parter. I'm like, all right, I see what they're doing, but I ended up walking away a little bit underwhelmed. I kind of did too. I feel like issue one and issue two were very good. Mm-hmm. issue four was pretty solid but issue three being in between them just kind of it was it was a stumbling block it was a tripping point for me and granted there was no such thing as a three issue limited series in 1985 they were either four or they weren't um if you had a 12 issue series it was a maxi series mm-hmm. which is stupid but yeah you do have that that moment where again you get to kind of that third act of an episode of NCIS and you're just like, okay, how are we going to pull all the threads together? And somehow to get to the cool ending they wanted issue three kind of did come apart. But the thing that I keep thinking back to, um, and I think the reason that I feel like overall four was a, was a solid ending is that moment. And I think it's page 11 or 12 Mm -hmm. where Garth is like, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you. And the time trapper just sort of reaches out with one hand and grabs him by the throat. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you shall do nothing. I'm just like, oh my God, that's scary. That's like really terrifying. And I kind of come out of this feeling like that's the moment. That is why Legionnaires 3 exists. And while 
it's a really strong moment. It's a really good moment. I don't feel like four issues to get there was necessarily the best journey for me. Yeah. It's another example of would this have been better served as a subplot in the main Legion book? And of course the answer is no. No, I don't, I don't think Legion so. The book is super crowded, but. Yeah. And even if it was like an eight page backup, that story would then go on like six, forever. eight issues. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I don't, I, so here's the thing. If you're trying to reinvent the time trapper and showing as the menace is, which they do in the first issue, right? Because we see mm-hmm. the uh, first time trapper or the one that we thought was the real time trapper getting killed by the real mm-hmm. time trapper. He steals babies. He tortures people. He's a menace to society. Um, you know, all of that is really good in setting up the time trapper as a new, bigger, badder villain, especially since they've quote unquote killed dark side already. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I would have, I would have come up with a different ending other than I'm just doing mental torture on you. Waka waka. See you in 90 days, Superman kind of, kind of ending. And that's, yeah, that's what this I, felt I like to me. Yeah. Yeah. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion clubhouse. Matthew, what did we learn this week? We learned that if you're going to hug your sister, for God's sake, make her keep her feet on the ground. I think we also learned that uh, endangering innocent pieces of cheese, good plot device, but also kind of uh, outplayed already. And I think we learned most importantly that the difference between magnetism and telepathy is whether the rings are pink or blue. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. If you'd like to support this show and everything that we do, please, 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 in the 2024 year, Now's the time. Head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Sign up five bucks a month. We'll get you multiple shows a month. Uh, and uh, they're all have engaging, interesting conversations. Not this one, maybe, but, you know, all the other ones in 2024 will. And uh, we really appreciate everything you do. Again, sign up, get access to bonus content. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. So until next time, I'm just a fat egg shaped uh, minion man. And I'm Dr. Innocent Piece of Cheese. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2024 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.